and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With winter's arrival and dark evenings in good supply, this is the perfect time to gain your favourite gardening podcast fix. To help you through the spring, Saul and myself will keep you entertained and informed with podcasts on wide-ranging topics such as winter pruning, propagation and planting. Plus, we'll provide regular updates on important industry developments, along with lively discussions on all manner of horticultural topics. We'll aim to bring you two short 20-minute episodes a week, along with a longer bonus interview with a key green-fingered peer every month. As ever, if you have suggestions for episodes that you'd like to hear, please just tap us up on our respective Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at Head Gardener LC. We'd be delighted if you'd join us on this journey as we step inside the busy and exciting world of the modern Head Gardener. Hello, Lucy. Good to see you. Do you know, it's almost the end of January. I can't believe it. This month has absolutely flown by. January is traditionally a month, I find, in gardening that tends to drag on. And usually in the West Country, it's because the weather is generally pretty dire. Wet, horrible and dank. But this January has been quite lovely and it's scooted along. And actually, I tend to have got a lot of more gardening done this month than generally. How's it been for you? I'm very envious of you, Saul, because January for me has been like wringing out a soggy old tea towel. Uh, I feel like it's gone on for me really but then yeah i do i do i have i've i've wanted to get out and do things it's been quite wet for essex it's been frosty some morning this morning i couldn't get out to do what i wanted to on the whole garden because the lawn was standing between me and my target i was trying to prune the apples and um couldn't get there for hours because you know you can't walk on frosty grass it makes a right mess so yeah i'm really pleased for you she says through gritted teeth <laughs> that you've had a lovely January. To be fair, I've had a lovely day today. It was one of my favourite winter days. I do like when winter gets cold enough that we get frosts and we get blue skies. Mm. I, to me, November is the month I find that's quite quite difficult to get through. Um, and it did prove a very wet one again. And then December carried on being wet. And then January feels like it's been pretty wet as well. So we've been banging on about how dry Essex is and how wet Devon is. And this, this is calmer. Yeah, it's, we've, we've reversed our situations. I've got to say, yesterday, or was it this morning, well, both days, we had heavy frosts again. I must be able to count the number of heavy frosts we've had this January on two hands, which I haven't really been able to do for a very, very long time. So we're having a bit more of a traditional winter. And the one thing I did notice when I was looking around the garden last week is that I think we're going to have a really good spring. The magnolia buds on four or five of my magnolias are laden. Uh, And and you've got some stunners at Stonelands. I know that. I've seen them. Yeah, we have. And I'm pretty hopeful for a very good spring. Now, I said that and the weather's going to turn atrocious in March, isn't it? We'll get a storm. There'll be a wind and you'll get a frost and that'll be that. No, I'm not. That won't happen. Well, I think we're going to have a good spring. So I think let's look forward to that. And the snowdrops, as we said in a previous podcast, are out now or just starting and uh mine are just starting yeah and i don't know about you but i've seen the cherry buds are just starting to fatten a little bit i know i know it's exciting things are definitely on the move i did put a tweet out the other day about some dasiclum and cumin and winter aconites that were flowering in my in my own garden and i always love those i like to have plants in there that flower very early on because they do lift your spirits you know and, and set you up for the growing year it's lovely to see those those sorts of things nudging through the the soil 
and um, make, putting a spring in your step. And on Sunday, or was it Saturday? I can't remember quite which. <laughs> it was only a few days ago. Uh, me and my partner Nick went on our first garden visit of the year. We oh, went out to a delicious. very dear garden to me, the garden house, just on the outskirts of Dartmoor, to go and look at their snowdrops. They've uh, got two collections of snowdrops that were donated to them, which are reasonably rare, um, you know, quite rare, actually, as snowdrops go. We we know galanthomania, or m- lots of people in, are in the grips of the s- snowdrop fever, as they call it. If you want to go and see some really unusual snowdrops, it's really worth checking out the garden house. Uh, and just to be out visiting gardens, I think we said in a podcast or two ago that we really are missing that element to our lives due to the the, the world events, let's say. Well, we are. We are. And, and I think this leads nicely on to what we mm. want to discuss tonight, because open gardens do massively inject hope and enthusiasm and energy into people such as yourself and myself who love gardening, but also to people who maybe just can't access these sorts of gardens. And there's Mm. one major charity that anyone who's keen on gardening will have come across, even if you just know that the the yellow book and you see the yellow signs dotted around the country. Uh, Mm. The National Garden Scheme is called the NGS. They had their media launch for uh, 2021 and Saul and I very uh, excitedly attended this it was all virtual um, but just tapping back to what you were saying about visiting gardens obviously talks uh, which we'll touch on in a moment but I got incredibly excited when they started putting slides up of some of the gardens and they showed yeah. the photographs of them in the high summer oh my god I actually felt my my pulse quicken at that and really? my mood my mood lift and a lot of people were commenting in the chat uh, facility on zoom and saying again just looking at these gardens lifts your spirit it, it so does it's such a it's such a an important message that to to, to bang home and to to really uh, go on about because gardens make people happy end of i think the anticipation of what is to come this year and hopefully with the end of some sort of lockdown or hopefully you know getting out of the pandemic somehow will eventually allow us to visit the gardens that we saw and then when we can finally go out and visit gardens to be able to to think about that I think I'm that gets me incredibly excited and it also I think it gives you quite an impetus to do some gardening as well I must say after after I saw those gardens I thought I've got to get outside and do a bit of bit of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it really does. It's I think anything that in I say you and I are very lucky that we we know this already about gardening taps into something within our bloodstream. It just gets in there and it just makes you want to do something, and your energy levels are, are actually directly correlate to 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 gardening. You know, it really really does. And I was so keen to then get outside in the garden, sow some seeds, just walk around the garden, see what was going on dig some soil or anything, anything. It was so uplifting. And um, yeah, it's. I don't think we're the only ones saw. I think that I've got a hunch that there might be, what did Peter Seabrook say the other day? There's three million new gardeners in the yes, UK now due did, to, yeah. directly due to the pandemic and people discovering gardening as a hobby. I so hope that everybody gets the same thrill that we do, these new three million people. Please tell us if you do, because I'd love to know. 
do you know it'll be very interesting to see if these three million i know we were saying these three million people were going to translate into new gardeners and hopefully do their own garden but i also hope that they understand that there are gardens out there to visit and like we were saying the ngs is probably the biggest got the biggest portfolio of gardens Mm. to to visit and not just the traditional national trust big country house garden but also smaller gardens and gardens that people can very much relate to especially the urban gardens i know there's a, a thriving network of gardens in places like london but also uh, in villages and towns all up the country they're opening gardens as uh, as group events so you can go to one place and visit five or six gardens at the same time and they're usually smaller gardens so that their visits are more worthwhile you can spend a bit more time looking at different gardens but there are also things like community gardens and allotments and hospice gardens opening as well so it's not just those gardens that look great and but are unachievable because they're so big you know a bit like Stonelands and East Donland they're really lovely gardens but for the average gardener and especially these new people coming into to the garden scene they're probably a little bit um what's the word a little bit um too much to take aspirational they're aspirational aspirational, but maybe not achievable i think that's that's the thing isn't it so just to give you some numbers because we were given some stats weren't we during the the presentation so for 2021 so there's going to be 35 allotment groups opening 14 community gardens 21 hospice gardens 13 school gardens and then nearly 3,000 gardens to open offering teas and refreshments which wets my whistle i'll tell you about that uh over 2,000 offer plants for sale and then Again, for the for the pet lover there, 1,700 welcome dogs. So do you know when you go through that list, like you say, not just big estates and halls like, like we uh, are familiar with, people's back gardens, small urban gardens, they did make a point of saying that they are incredibly popular with NGS visitors. Absolutely. And I have been to um, another allotment site that did open oh, a few years ago now, and it was just, again, for me, walking around, seeing all the different fruits and vegetables and the different training methods and all the wonderful imaginative ways that allotment growers grow things and upcycle stuff and and oh just so colorful and so exciting and that again is 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 very true for all the ornamental gardens as well yeah and and what i'll say to these three million people or anyone who's new and if anyone's a new gardener who's tuning into this podcast welcome welcome to the world of gardening but if you go to these places, don't get overawed by them. You know, many owners have put a lot of years into their plots or their oh, yeah. gardens. Yeah. But they all had to start in the same position as you. They all had to start from scratch and learn. Even Lucy and Saul had to... There was a time in our lives when we did not know the difference between a potato and an onion. You know, that we had to start at some point at yeah. scratch and learn gardening. And to be honest, that process, the process of learning, the process of putting together a garden and then getting to the point where you feel like you can open them up to the public, that's as much, the, that's probably is the joy of it than just showing, showing it off. Yeah. So don't get overawed by these perfect gardens or the perfect pictures. There is a, there is a process to learn and that's part of the journey in gardening well i think the ngs are really realizing this especially due to the the pandemic and how it made people really appreciate open spaces and all their shapes and form not just gardens but but all you know parks woodlands everything that that taps into that lovely 
fresh air, sunshine on your face, that, that's just such a glorious feeling in itself. They, they do seem to be their strategic plan, which is for 2021 till 2025. The NGS are, are tapping into the fact that they want to make gardens available to everybody. And they're, they're using the word specifically for people's health and well-being, which is, I think, for them quite a, not a change of direction, because I think it's already within them been encompassed, but they're specifically using those words, health and well-being, because they appreciate during lockdown that so many people were, you know, it was, it's been so, so difficult for so many reasons, but gardens do give you a place of solace, a place to just escape, a place to go and lose yourself and, and, and do something constructive and, and, you know, creative. They're, they are so important for that. And I, I, it's exciting. I was really gunning for them going, yeah, this is great. What you're saying uh, is, is just, you know, right up our alley. And they're a hive of knowledge and information. A lot, a lot of the gardens, probably most of them, don't have professional help like say yours or my garden they're all are homeowners or just amateurs that are creating and some of them have just amazing spaces and it's really worth tapping up that knowledge as well especially if it's if it's local there's um there's a fair few gardeners that i have met through visiting ngs gardens who have some amazing collections of plants that from even from a professional standpoint are quite exciting to see and, and and the other thing about the NGS is there's all kinds of styles you know you are gonna definitely find something that will appeal to you as a, as a person you'll also learn things that don't appeal to you because that's part of the the equation when you're designing a new garden is learning exactly what you like and what you don't like, finding colour combinations that you enjoy and different styles. And there's definitely going to be an NGS garden out there that you enjoy. We do know that many charities have really struggled because of the pandemic to, to raise funds and, and none more so, sadly, than charities such as the NGS who were relying on people coming out and visiting gardens. It didn't happen and they were so resourceful because they very quickly ask people to put up videos, uh, key people who, who open their gardens to the NGF, uh, put videos up online. They're still up there online. There's over 180 now. Yeah, brilliant. Which is a phenomenal amount. And, and I, this leads on to the fact that we, we, we were reading again in the strategic plan how the NGS planned to bulletproof themselves from financial insecurity because just having all your eggs in one basket can be a risky strategy. So what they're now looking to do is to potentially have a membership scheme to raise funds. There's also now a, 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 an increasing range of talks that you virtual talks that you can sign up to for ten pounds a talk seems to be the standard fee. So that's interesting to see them take that step. I think they're very much aware that online content is going to be key for them, and people sometimes don't feel obliged to donate out of goodwill they, they need to be encouraged to actually part with some some money in order to gain an experience so there might be lots of material that you can only gain through making a donation which is is perfectly good i think that's you know as a keen gardener to get a fantastic series of talks um lined up for for the summer months would, would be so exciting so i think that's ex interesting for them to take that route and it makes them 
uh, more more secure, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's worth pointing out that the NGS isn't a, it doesn't take the money as a charity itself. It's sort of a mm. portal for raising funds for a lot of other charities, including some of the major cancer charities. But you know, other charities that mean something to us as professional gardeners. Uh, I've mentioned Perennial, which is the Benevolence Society for Gardeners, and they raise money for them. Some of the money also goes to um, uh, bursary funds for students to get into horticulture as well. So it does. there's various charities that the NGS support that without, like you said, being stable and being able to make money th- when they can't open the gardens would lose out so i think it's a really important not to forget that it's not just the you know the 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 face of it all gardens behind it there's a lot of really seriously good work being done for both uh health charities but also for the charities involved in professional horticulture well just to say i'm just looking at their website and it's they've put donations for for 2020 for uh oh there's there's amazing amount of beneficiaries for, for their funds that have been raised. Macmillan, Cancer Support, Marie Curie, Hospice UK have all had £425,000 donated to them via the NGS. And that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's there's so many people that benefit from this. This is why the NGS is such a good scheme. It's win-win. You get to go and see gardens. Now you're going to get to, to virtually visit gardens or, or, or be um, introduced to fantastic speakers. And the funds go to so many worthwhile causes, specifically nursing and hospices and, and cancer charities is the, the main, but as you say, many, many others too. And I should point out that um, those are the national charities. There are also locally uh, separate gardens or, or county organisations because actually sponsor local charities uh, uh, and put local money into things as well. So it, right. it's worth talking to the garden owners and openers about uh, maybe money that's going locally. So it's it, it may all seem a bit of fun on the on the surface and it is really exciting going to see the gardens but there's a lot of really good work being done behind the scenes to support all these yeah fantastic causes Mm. I should add as well, Saul, that I mean, I haven't done this yet because I know the hall owners aren't keen on opening up the gardens too much. But you have you open for the NGS, don't you? We've, we're going to open for the fourth year. I think it's it could be the fifth year, actually. Uh, we open on a scheme which is just by arrangement. So we get groups in and they arrange a date and I give them a tour of the garden. So you don't have to open up to the general public if you don't feel comfortable with having everyone come through your door. You can do it uh Uh, specifically for people uh, who phone you up and you invite them to come down on a specific day and time that there's always an arrangement that the NGS have that will work for you as well so don't feel like you you don't have to bake a hundred cakes the day before you know it's it's, you tell my mother-in-law that that's what she'd be doing (laughs) I was gonna say it's (laughs) you know you don't have to but it's it's probably well worth it because a lot of people do like their cake Uh, you know and and you don't have to open for a huge amount of time you can open for a couple of hours you don't have to open every weekend you can open for one day you can have something very specific that you're showing off if you grow I know there's one garden near me that just opens to show off their snowdrops and then they don't open for the rest of the year because the owners want to keep it for themselves so whether you're visiting, whether you want to open your garden, it's really worth checking out the NGS. Now, the website's fantastic. It's ngs.org.uk. Like Lucy's already said, all the talks on there uh, that's going to happen this year, including one by 
someone who's been on the podcast, Philippa Burrow, who owns Altingwick um, in Essex near Lucy. But there's also the videos of the gardens on there. And there's some really great information as where to the money goes. So if you're going to do something when the lockdown lifts, hopefully, and everything's a little bit more normal, I can highly recommend going out to see some really wonderful gardens. That concludes today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. Any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Winter is a natural time in the gardening calendar for reflection, adjustment and musing over new plans for warmer seasons ahead. So Lucy and I hope to inspire and educate with our thoughts. We'll also bring you interviews with some of the very best personalities our industry has to offer. We aim to dispel the myth that gardens, and therefore gardeners, slumber in winter. We promise that in this profession nothing could be further from the truth. As two enthusiastic and passionate head gardeners, winter is a busy season in our calendar. So let us help you keep one step ahead in this most marvellous and rewarding of careers. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! Hello, Lucy. Good to see you. Do you know, it's almost the end of January. I can't believe it. This month has absolutely flown by. January is traditionally a month, I find, in gardening that tends to drag on. But this January has been quite lovely and it's scooted along. And actually, I tend to have got a lot of more gardening done this month than generally. How's it been for you? Oh, stop talking. Honestly, no, I'm... (laughs) I don't mean... That came out wrong. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't mean it. And that's the end of the podcast. (laughs) What I meant to say was, I'm very envious of you.